You know, our scars and our wounds, they run pretty deep. But Jesus' scars run even deeper. You know, Scripture tells us by His wounds we are healed. And we're healed in so many ways. But you know, even from the cross, while He suffered immense pain and agony, Jesus loved on people. He was compassionate. And He ministered to the people that He loved. Perhaps it's a part of the crucifixion story the death of Jesus on the cross that we might overlook from time to time. But Jesus, while He was suffering, He loved the people that were right there in front of Him. It's an amazing picture that we don't want to lose sight of because it's also a picture for us today. See, when He received those wounds, we recognize what it means for us. We, um, I was talking to, to somebody earlier that was just, you know, marveling at the fact that we kind of wait sometimes as believers till this time of year to reflect on what it really cost Jesus and what it actually means that he died on a cross. We can say words like he suffered and died, maybe even say words like he was tortured, but what do they really mean? And of course, it's not something we want to fixate on because our hope, of course, is on what happens on Sunday. Amen. And we're getting to Sunday and the celebration of the empty tomb. But what we need to remember is that in order to get to Sunday, you have to go through Friday. So we know that He suffered. We recognize it. But on this Holy Friday, this Good Friday, it's certainly right and important and appropriate to reflect and remember that pain that Christ endured. Jesus literally defined the worst pain anyone could feel. You know, sometimes we talk about our pain. You know, as we get older, we complain more and more about the things that cause us pain, right? We were just uh, with some friends of ours we hadn't seen in maybe six months. And I was marveling about how now that we've all gotten over a certain age, I won't tell you what that age is, I just feel like all of our conversations are about, yeah, my, my shoulder too, and And you know, yeah, this is hurting me. And more and more surgeries sort of piling up. But you know, we start talking about those things that cause us pain. And every once in a while, it could be something where we say, man, my pain was excruciating. But really, no. You know, that word excruciating, it really has such ties in its original meaning in the Latin to the cross. That word crux is where we get the word cross. And it really comes from the original word meaning torture. And that's what the cross was designed for. Excruciating pain was what was related to the cross. You know, Jesus' suffering began in Gethsemane when God laid the sins of the world on His only Son. That intense stress caused Him to sweat blood. After His arrest, Jesus was flogged so mercilessly mercilessly, that His skin was stripped off His back. You know, This is also that time of year when not everybody, but many Christians will go and watch movies like The Passion of the Christ as a reminder, and that can be good. But sometimes it's too much to bear, isn't it, to watch? And I think the reason is, is because we recognize that even though Hollywood can do a really good job and making it so difficult to watch, how much more painful was it really? And how much more difficult was it to actually watch 
from the perspective of the people that were there at the foot of the cross. I mean, in the midst of this horrific torture, as Jesus struggled for every breath, because even hanging on a cross would cause him to to really suffer to even try to take a breath because his body was hanging. Then he would try to prop himself up just to take a breath. But then the the, the nail that was through his feet would cause so much pain that he he would just sink down again. How difficult it was for our Lord to even take a breath. But as he struggled to even breathe, Jesus spoke his last words. As we saw in that video, the final statements of Jesus to the thief on the cross, to the Father, but also to those whom He loved. These were words so profound. They were words about forgiveness and salvation. Words about the gravity of His sense of abandonment, of desperation, but also then at the end, His surrender, and of course, His triumph. But you know what else? I just want to spend a few minutes on this tonight together. It also, His last words on the cross, reveal such an importance on relationship. You know, we often say that our faith is not so much a religion, but it's a relationship. Sometimes we say that, right? And it's so true. I mean, before the celebrations of the empty tomb on Sunday, there is the pain and suffering of the cross, but we think about... Who was there at the cross? There were people that rejected Him and that were denying Him. But do you also remember that there were people there who loved Him? There were people there that were supporting Him. Could you imagine what it would have been like for Mary, His mother, or John, or Mary Magdalene to watch what was happening? I mean, we read it and it hurts. We watch a portrayal of it in a movie and it hurts all the more. But here were people that were watching it. And in in such agony, you know what Jesus did? He loved them. He ministered to them. He took care of them. I want to talk about three of those people tonight. About his mother Mary, of course very special to him. About his best friend, John. John the disciple, the beloved one. But then also Mary Magdalene. Somebody who also had a very special place in Jesus' heart. In John 19, it says these words. It says, So the soldiers did these things, but standing by the cross of Jesus were His mother and His mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw His mother and the disciple whom He loved, that means John, When they were standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. And he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. Now we read that and we see, well, maybe Jesus was pointing to himself. And perhaps he meant that in a way. But Jesus was really from the cross as he was hanging there, suffering in agony. He was looking down and he saw his mother And he saw his best friend, John. And he saw his probably maybe one of his most devoted and faithful followers, Mary Magdalene. And he saw Mary and he saw John. And he talked to his mother, Mary, and he said, Behold, your son. And then he says the reverse to John. And he says, Behold, 
your mother. That's what I want to talk about. And then we're going to add Mary Magdalene into that. See, if you can picture it, what was going on in Jesus' heart, it was all about relationships. I mean, there was separation that was about to happen, wasn't there? That he had prepared them as best he could that he was going to leave. And he was going to leave them. They didn't quite understand. Perhaps now they had a better picture. But Jesus looks with compassion and a heart of love on Mary and John and Mary Magdalene. And he looks upon them and says, you know what? They need each other. There's a relationship here. His mother is losing a son on the cross. His best friend is losing a comrade. And his most devoted follower, Mary Magdalene, she's losing the Lord that she served so faithfully. And he wants to take care of them. So I just want to briefly look at each of them. Because Jesus from the cross ministered to them. So Mary. So we know a little bit about Mary, don't we? She was a faithful mother. And here she was watching the horrific death happening in front of her eyes of her son. The anguish of Jesus' mother Mary. Did you know that that was the fulfillment of a prophecy? Do you remember in Luke 2, verse 35, Simeon says, A sword will pierce your own soul too. He said that to Mary. By giving John, his best friend, to her now, it was like he was saying, here's a new son. Here is somebody for you to care for while I am gone. Isn't that amazing? All that he was going through, he's thinking about others. He knows the importance of loving relationships in their lives and in our lives. I mean, we all want to love and be loved, don't we? I mean, the tenderness and compassion of Jesus even from the cross. Now, Mary, you might be thinking, Mary had other children. She had other sons. But at this point, they weren't yet believers. They didn't believe what she did about her son Jesus. And so Jesus, knowing that, of course, He looked upon her with mercy and then gracefully said, here is your new son, meaning John. Because he wanted her to be cared for, but also he wanted Mary to have somebody to take care of. You know, in, in a way, I mean, I relate in a sense because, you know, when you're used to being around somebody for so long and then they're leaving you and it seems so unexpected, there is that sense of loss, isn't it? People have been asking us, you know, Claudia and I, about being empty nesters because our youngest one is going off to college and some of you can relate to that. And there's that certain sense of loss. Nothing like what's going on here. But this idea of there's going to be a separation. There's going to be a void in that relationship. Right? And here it is, mother and son upon the cross. And Jesus has compassion on His mother. You know, it also shows us the importance of community as well. If you look around, this is called the church. It's not the building. We are the church as believers and followers of Christ. And so we are called to be a community. A community where we love one another. I mean, didn't Jesus say at the Last Supper, a new command I give you? He said it to His disciples. Remember that? What was the new command? To love one another. 
Because he wanted them to be in community. Because he knew, very simply, they needed each other. And we need each other too. And he knew that his mother would need someone. Someone that believed in what he was doing and what was about to happen to take care of her. And so he said, John, here is your mother. Mother, here is your new son. It's all about relationship. I mean, Psalm 34 says that, I mean, it says that God is close to the brokenhearted because He knows when we suffer loss. Jesus also says, Come to Me, all who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest, even rest for your soul. Remember those words? Those are great words of the Lord to remember and even memorize. Because He invites us to come and to just lay it all down at the foot of the cross. See, Mary and John and the other Mary, that's where they were. They were at the foot of the cross. If we come to the foot of the cross, we can lay down our burdens at His feet. We can bring any pain and suffering and loss and even memories that our scars bring back. We can all lay it down at His feet because He can empathize with us as one who suffered loss. And now there's John, his best friend. I mean, we all have best friends, don't we? I mean, we all have like really close friends. I mean, we can think about them even now. I I have a best friend named Tom and I've mentioned him before because he's my best friend. And I've mentioned him to the church many times. And and he's a guy that I've known since kindergarten. Can any of you say that you have someone who's a best friend now who is your best friend in kindergarten? I mean, isn't that great? I mean, I always consider that a great blessing. And for those of you that haven't heard the story a million times, I'll tell you that my friend Tom, he became a Christian through his dad. And then just me growing up, being around the family and eating dinner with them and and, uh, going to their family Bible studies, that I came to know the Lord. And it wasn't until college that he and I both became believers. We had all this knowledge, but hadn't surrendered ourselves to him and believed in Jesus for salvation. We did that together. We joined a, a Christian rock band. So we were brothers in the band together. And then he goes and he marries Claudia's sister. So now he's also my brother-in-law. So he's my best friend and my brother in Christ and my brother in music and my brother-in-law. But what a blessing it is. But you know, he's going through a really difficult time right now. He lives way down south and South Carolina, where all people from New Jersey that want to get out, they all seem to go down there. But he's going through a very difficult time of loss right now. And you know what? It hurts me. It hurts me because I love him so much. We have such a connection. But I can't really do my... I can text him and I can talk to him. But I just want to be there with him, you know? Because there's that loss of community and so we know what it's like when we have somebody who is so close to like a like a best friend we want to be there for them or we need them to be there for us right and so jesus looks upon john i mean one of the three favorites of the disciples and the favorite beyond even peter and james and he's there simply described as the disciple but jesus cares for him too I mean, we hurt right along with our friends and Jesus was hurting right along with John. John is feeling loss, emptiness. So what does Jesus do? He commends him to Mary as his new mother. 
Someone for John to befriend, to take care of, to love, to spend time with. All those things that best friends bring to our lives. But also, listen, she was also then for John someone he could serve. Because he was serving his best friend and his Lord. But now John could have someone else to serve. And you know what? It's the best thing to do if you're suffering, going through difficult times, is to go serve. If you've ever suffered with depression, anxiety, go to see a counselor. One of the first things they'll say to do is go serve. Go help somebody. Why? Because it takes the focus off of yourself and puts it on someone else. That you're doing good for someone. Even just that little act, whatever it is, you help somebody move, you call somebody and you pray for them instead of yourself. It can be so good because it reminds you of who God has made you to be. You know, James says that faith without work is dead. I mean, it's faith, but it's not alive. And living faith... But when we serve, that's when our faith comes alive. Even, perhaps, in our suffering in dark times, we are to help others and to pray for others. That's what Jesus did from the cross. So as Christians, we're to follow that example, aren't we? Are you with me? One more. Because at the foot of the cross, we can lay all that brokenness and pain at His feet, and then we can get up off our knees and we can go serve and be a blessing to others. And finally, Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene was the woman that Jesus freed from seven demons. Remember that story? Can you imagine that? I mean, wouldn't one sound like enough? That would be bad enough. She had seven demons that were, that were just oppressing her and possessing her. And Jesus healed her from that. She became such a devout follower, a faithful follower of Jesus Do you know that Mary Magdalene witnessed most of the events surrounding the crucifixion? She was present at that trial, that mock trial of Jesus. She heard Pontius Pilate pronounce the death sentence. She saw Jesus beaten and humiliated by the crowd. She was one of the women who stood near Jesus during the crucifixion to try to comfort Him along with His mother. Do you know that she was also the first one to go and tell the news of the resurrection? On Sunday mornings, that amazing? She was told to go tell everybody. She was also probably, it doesn't say, but we can infer that she was probably among the women who gathered with the apostles to wait the coming of the promised Holy Spirit. See, this is her story. What an amazing story from being possessed by seven demons. And now in our scene tonight, she is standing at the foot of the cross, weeping, confused, broken and hurting but we also know that part of her story is redemption and rescue the world would say that somebody like mary magdalene had no hope whatsoever anybody ever say that to you there's no hope all is lost why don't you just give up but we know with god there is always hope we see that with mary magdalene she became one of his most trusted followers somebody that he loved dearly So like her, we are to embrace our relationship with Christ, with other believers in the church, but then go and tell people what we have found. Like I always like to say, we are but beggars showing other beggars where to find the bread. So we are to go and tell just like Mary Magdalene did. So at the foot of the cross, we bring our brokenness 
for healing. But we also find our redemption story. These are three people that Jesus loved dearly. But this picture is just as powerful a reminder for us today that our Creator, the God of the universe, desires to have a relationship with us. See, relationships, we should always remember this, that relationships are at the heart of God's very nature. He created us to join in fellowship with Him and to worship Him. He gave us His only Son, the greatest act of loving and sacrificial grace ever. But He offers that relationship with Him today. So at the foot of the cross, we find community. At the foot of the cross, we find reconciliation. That's where it becomes a reality. It's where forgiveness is found. It's where healing happens and broken people are made new. You know, our faith truly is much more than mere religion. At its foundation, it's relational. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the Trinity, a relationship God created Adam and Eve to be what? In relationship with Him. Made in His image. And then He brought them together in marriage. He creates the institution of marriage. So they could be in community and not alone. Abraham. He calls Abraham to be the the father of many nations. a, A people of God's own choosing. The people that become Israel. A very special relationship God has with them. Because through them, He will send the Savior of all humanity. And then, of course, with Jesus, that promised Messiah, His only Son, who He gave to us as the perfect and final sacrifice. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever would believe in Him would what? Not die or perish, but have everlasting life. God knows about loss and separation and despair. See, death is not ceasing to exist. Death is separation. I hope you believe that. We recognize that, that death is not it. It's not the end of existence. It is separation. We're separated from our loved ones. Our spirit and soul are separated from our physical bodies. But isn't that why the return of Christ is the great hope of the church? Christians? Why? Because we receive our glorified body. No more scars. No more pain. No more tears or suffering. But yet we also get to be reunited with our loved ones, those from whom we were separated. Jesus had to suffer that agony of a temporary separation from the Father due to the sin that He bore. You know, at the end of those three hours of darkness, what did Jesus cry out? Did He not cry out, My God, My God, why have You forsaken Me? Separation from the One He loved most. You know, tonight is the, I believe it's the first night of Passover. And our Jewish friends are from all around the world beginning to um, celebrate their ancestors' deliverance from the bondage in Egypt. And we know that story from the Old Testament. For 400 years, the people of Israel, the Hebrews, they felt separated from God. They felt like He had abandoned them. But of course, as the Passover story reminds them, but also us, tonight that with God there is always hope. That's why they celebrate it every year. To remember their rescue and redemption at the hands of the Egyptians. 
So, you know, as the Jewish people move through the traditional Seder meal, some of you have been through that recently, each item on the Passover plate has a significance, doesn't it? Have you ever been through that and walked through that? It's really amazing because there's all this historical meaning and significance related to the Exodus in each one of those elements. But what does 1 Corinthians 5 say? Does it not identify Jesus as our Passover? For Christ, our what? Our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. Way back in Exodus 6.6, 6, the Lord God promised His people that He would save them from slavery. He promised that He would. He said, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them. I will redeem you with what? An outstretched arm. Is that amazing? With an outstretched arm. What does that remind you of? With an outstretched arm? Did not Jesus, that promised Messiah, have both of His arms outstretched? Suffering for us? Doing that to free us from, sal- uh, from sin? Bringing us salvation? It was with the outstretched arms of God Himself that He welcomes us in to His family. See, we are now called children of the living God. Adopted. He is God's only begotten Son. But we are now called sons and daughters of the King adopted into that family. But see, this is why we remember tonight around the Lord's table, which we're going to do to to bring our time to a close, that we obey the command of our Lord, the one He gave on that very night before He was turned over, before He died on our behalf on the cross. At that night, He told us to the disciples, He commanded them, This is what you should do every time you get together in remembrance of Me. And He broke the bread and He passed the cup. So what I'd like us to do now is we're going to... um, I'm going to give you some instructions and then pray us into it. But we're going to receive the elements together as a family, as a community. Because did not Christ die on the cross to heal and mend broken relationships? to bring people together even like He did with Mary and John, and to say to Mary Magdalene that she had community. She was so lost and alone, an outcast of society, that she now had a family and a community that would continue on. And we have that now as well as the church. And so what we do here is it's in obedience to one of the two commands that Jesus gives to the church. One is to baptize believers. He calls disciples and then He says to do this in remembrance of me, to take the bread and to take the cup. So we're going to do that tonight. Of course, it's fitting that we would do it on this Good Friday service. But what I'd like to do is this. In a moment, I'm going to pray. When I'm done, I just ask that um, as you sort of hear the music play, when you feel the Spirit leads you, would you just come up and you can just walk down the aisle and take both elements, take the cup, take a, a piece of the bread, and you can just come around and Head back to your seat and just kind of go around the table. Just kind of make, the, make it flow. There's one on this side and this side. As you hear the music play, just feel free to get up when you feel led and come and take it. Um, if you physically can't come up, ask one of your neighbors to, to come and get it for you. What a great way to show that we're in relationship with one another, right? If you want to do that. You can even do that for a family member if you'd like. But you can come up as a family as well. 
however you feel led. But I'm going to pray for us now. And then when I'm done praying, I won't give any more instructions. Just come up and take the elements and go back to your seat. And you can sit quietly and listen to the music and reflect on the relationship that you now have with God through Christ or perhaps that relationship you're seeking and that maybe you just learned about for the first time tonight. And then when everybody is seated with their elements, I will lead us to take and to to eat and to drink together and we'll close with a song. Father God, um, it truly is amazing how you bring us to this point where we are to obey that command of yours to do this around the table we call your table to do it in remembrance of you because we are to never forget but we are to do this as often as we get together remembering what it cost you that we might have freedom we know father god for us that is a free gift and it is one that is free for us but it costs you everything and so, Lord, um, would you help us now, even during a time of, um, of just silent reflection and meditation, that we would um, think upon the truth of what actually happened as we remember that tonight. We look forward to Sunday, Father, you know we do, to celebrating the resurrection, the defeat of death, and the empty tomb. But we know that we have to go through tonight to get there and... Jesus had to, of course. And so, Lord, as we take the bread and as we take the cup in remembrance of you, would you allow it to have a unique significance tonight like, like it's never had before in any other time that we've done it? And Father, that we would take it well, that we would take it with no burdens, that we would lay them down at your feet. That we would take it not holding a grudge, that we would be willing to forgive and ask for your forgiveness. And that we would then be in obedience to you and receive these elements in remembrance of what Christ did. God, we can't even put into words how thankful we are, but we do this because you tell us to and because it's an important way that we worship you to bring all attention and focus. Lord Jesus and the cross. Amen.